Blog Talk Radio. Another exciting episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast and Radio Extravaganza. Coming at uh coming to you uh, once again live from uh almost everywhere. I hear I hear a hammer in the background, I think. Uh, it's it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm making I'm making life hard on Mondo. I'm going back to recording uh live and sending him stuff so that when people get the podcast I don't sound like I'm calling from within a two-inch piece of steel pipe. Oh, so, Mondo, you actually, you're going to do the magic again? You've agreed to do the magic? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he, you know, we're, we're trying something a little different, man, so we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I've gotten a couple of com- uh, comments recently in face-to-face conversations with listeners, and I run into listeners everywhere. I uh, love the show, but I do get, especially here in Nashville, a few wistful comments about the good old days when the sound quality was better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the price we pay for, for being able to go live. And by the way, let's let's remind our listeners right from the top of the show. I don't know how many listeners we actually live listeners we have right now. I just tweeted that we're back on. Some guys and women out there have got it kind of set on their alarm, and so they're, um, you know, they're with us right from the moment uh, we open the gate. Other people kind of wait for a reminder that we're coming on the air, and then most of our listeners, of course, catch us later in rebroadcast on on the on the podcast. But anyway, if you're on the line now, uh, or Anytime between, uh, yeah, at any rate, 11.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m. Central Time. You can call in if you would like, especially if you want to harass Aaron. And the number is uh, 347-850-1769. One more time, 347-850-1769. You know, or 347 Battle for Constantinople. That's also uh, what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. good. Make sure you type in all those letters. Yeah. Well, you know, know, I would be very interested to uh, maybe have our listeners uh, email us their comments concerning the quality difference. And okay. uh, and just give and maybe just give their thoughts. You know, I think it's you know a little food for thought for us, and we can, as we try to you know troubleshoot and figure out the best way to offer the podcast. I think it may be good for us to to, to hear our guys out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the best way to deliver the podcast is face to face. We need to get out and do our, I, I This I can't do oh. it right now, but I, I this yeah. idea just keeps simmering in my mind. We we need to take this show on the road. We need to go out and see some folks. That's true, man. We need to do that, for sure. And I missed your great uh, British pub walk a few years, what, three years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I think we need to hit that road, too, because, you know, I think people want, they want the podcast from Britain. That's that's just what I'm assuming. Okay. (laughs) You know what? I will sign up for that program as well. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys had way too much fun uh, without me that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, there was no connection there between your absence and our grand time. Uh, Mondo, <laughs> what, what, what's up, dude? Uh, anything cool going on? Man, I'm up in uh, Detroit, Michigan right now. And uh, I'm up here uh brought my kids to see my parents, man. So, you know, of course, everyone knows in the country the, the land of bankruptcy. Oh yeah, yeah. I understand. If yeah. you got ten, ten bucks on you, you can buy the city, can't you? See, that's pretty much the truth, man. <laughs> pretty much the truth. <laughs> I mean, uh, there are some neighborhoods neighborhoods here, a lot where the entire neighborhoods are abandoned. You can, uh, with proper paperwork, you can actually buy a lot in an abandoned house for one dollar. Yeah. 
Wow. Wow. It, it's it's crazy. There's, and there's no no there's no grocery store within a square mile, but no, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. So it's it's pretty wow. nuts, man. You know, and and being here is kind of surreal for me. I haven't been here in a while, um, and uh, you know, I it's just weird, man. I mean, just looking at I posted something this morning about how bad the roads are compared to other cities, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's, it's how the, just the differences. You know, the the attitude is different here. Yeah, so many, yeah. Uh, so many abandoned factories as you pass by, and it's just yeah. it's somewhat depressing. It's a, it's you could look at it as depressing or the place for a, a launch for hope. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's uh, it's, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but uh, it's 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 real here, man. And everything you've seen on the news is legit. It's uh, it's no joke here. So wow, but yeah, so yeah, I'm just up here for a few days, uh, bring my kids up, and uh, and be back uh, in Nashville over the weekend. So. I'm tired, bro. I got in about three in the morning, and uh, I've been out, haven't been asleep. I'm I'm struggling right now, so uh, pray for me. <laughs> Holy smokes, man! And still, you got on the line to do this thing. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We we Brother Aaron, Aaron, Aaron you, we, we, we commit to mute you if you start snoring. That's our yes. commitment. To you. <laughs> Well, I I had a birthday this last week, and my Ooh. wife went on Craigslist and uh, bought somebody's entire microbrewing setup because no. I like to cook. And I had microbrewed in the past and was really bad at it. And there's nothing like spending five weeks on a recipe only to have it really suck. Yeah, so yeah. I, gave, I gave it up. But she got all this stuff, so I called... Uh, a kid from my youth group that is now probably in his 30s and another guy that I know, and they came over and uh, we went and got all of our hops and our sugars and we have a local warehouse for this thing. And uh, they taught me, and so we we made five gallons of red ale yesterday that is right now two rooms away beginning its process. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, that's awesome, man! Oh, it was a good, uh, it was a good four-hour cook yesterday. <laughs> it was yeah. fun, and the kids came out and would stir. They took turns stirring, yeah, in the boil at the room temperature. The whole family yeah. experience. You know, there is so much precision and patience um, that's required in that process, and you got to make sure that things are cleaned correctly and that temperature. You got to monitor temperatures. It's a very scientific thing. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, As you it's, know, it's yeah, my youngest son is a, is crazy for that. Just does a fabulous job. And um, uh, incidentally, we talked to Ali and I skyped with my youngest son and his wife yesterday. We've been doing that. We haven't seen. We have a a new grandson, our sixth grandchild, little oh, child, yeah. five months old, and uh, we haven't been able to get over to Knoxville. Uh, except for one time, and travel's really been restricted here with Allie's sickness. But we've been keeping up by Skype. Thank God for Skype. So, uh, yeah, we had a wonderful time with them. Yeah, our big news here is that Allie starts her radiation today, or at least she goes in and gets all marked up. They actually tattoo the targets on her body. She's going to carry those for the rest of her life. And she's always wanted a tattoo, so it works out. Um, And they do like a rose or a skull or something? Does she get to... Yeah. Or a pirate monk. Maybe a pirate monk. A pirate monk. Yeah. That would be awesome. (laughs) And it'll be be daily trips into Nashville for six weeks. But uh, when it's over, it's over. And she and I are both looking forward to getting our lives back and getting back on the road. And uh, life is good, yeah. Well, this is my last week for three weeks because I am mm. heading out to do that job in the California Valley on yeah. Sunday. So you guys are on oh. your own. Oh, wow. man. That's frightening. That's absolutely yeah. frightening. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, it gives us three It gives us three weeks to audition replacements for you. Yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you well, go. I got, I've got no comments at all for that. But I hear we've uh, got a mini meeting coming up. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to a break and come back and and do us a mini meeting. All right. All right.
Tom Waits piratey music. Come on. Yeah. That, that was a Gotta love it. Gotta love it, yeah. Thank you, Mondo, for letting me throw a couple songs in here. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, I know you're a Tom Waits freak there, Aaron. Uh and and thank you, really. You added you added some color to the show. That's good. That's really good. I well, think that's um, the first time Tom Waits has ever been uh called adding color. But <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about you. I um, I missed our m- uh, Monday meeting this week. I'd been planning to go, but uh, at the very last moment, we got a phone call. Friends we hadn't seen in 15 years, actually a former business partner, was going to be in town Monday night only. He wanted to meet us for dinner. So uh, Allie and I did go down to the pub when our evening with our friends was over, and we caught the Samson guys there. Um, and spend a little time in the meeting after the meeting, and they, uh, I asked him uh, about uh, you know how the meeting had gone and what the topic was. Their topic was waste. So uh, what I propose to do is, you know, since I've missed my meeting this week, why don't we do a, a, a meeting, a mini meeting? And I, I haven't given this any prior thought, as I'm sure will become apparent when sharing time commences. But uh, I, I offer that as our subject. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Welcome to this mini-meeting of the Samson Society. We're a company of Christian men. We are also natural loners who have recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers. We're finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars, we're now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges, who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. And natural strongmen, who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing, honestly, out of our own personal experience, the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. Uh, We've now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly, out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. You betcha. Uh, We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. The suggested topic today is waste. Waste. Yeah, we're not confined to that subject. You may speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open. Well, I had an immediate thought when you brought up Ray. So I'm I'm Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Hi, guys. (laughs) Uh, That it, it has been, I don't know how long, since I've been able to have a true vacation mm-hmm. we went camping a long time ago for a few days but a serious chunk of time for resting and recharging just has not been in the cards between doing extra work and stuff like that and I find when I go this long it is hard I can do my jobs that are scheduled but when mm-hmm. I have unscheduled time that I need to just uh, be creative, I need to write, that I need to study, it is so hard for me to keep my focus, to keep my attention on it. And so then I start feeling like I'm, I'm wasting chunks of time. And yet I feel like I'm in, incapable of getting my brain in those gears that I need to be in. Yeah. 
And and so it's just that struggle of feeling sad about that, uh, sometimes feeling some shame about that, and also knowing that I can't really do anything about it. It's not like I can just discipline myself to be more emotionally charged. Uh, So I'm I'm hoping the next three weeks of just being away, (laughs) doing one job uh, with four other men will feel like uh, a recharging break. Yes, Mm -hmm. manual labor will be involved, but uh, I'm hoping something will happen in my soul because it, it's it's hard to feel like you're wasting parts of your life mm. and you don't have anything to uh, to show for it. Yeah. So, so that's what waste brought up for me. Kind of made me sad. That's what I got. Thank Thanks, you. Aaron. Well, I'm Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Mondo. Uh, waste, man. Wow, that's a very interesting topic. Um, Yesterday, while I was driving to Michigan, uh, I was thinking and just thinking about the next season of my life and what does that look like. Um, and the one thing that kept resonating in my spirit it wasn't really the word waste, but it was more baggage, mm. um, which I think can kind of be the same thing. Um, and one thing that I've, I've noticed of the friends that I've talked to recently about their own lives, um, some marriages that I know right now that get brought in the waste or baggage from an, another relationship or their childhood and brought into a marriage and wonder why the marriage isn't working. Um, from, it, it caused me to reflect on myself and look at areas where where am I bringing in waste slash baggage from other areas of my life, the past mainly, uh, into the present. Where am I going, and am I am I carrying any old waste with me? Stuff I need to leave where it, where where it is, leaving the past and keep it moving. And honestly, man, it was quite humbling slash embarrassing to uh, with myself, man, just to realize, man, I'm I'm carrying some junk. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm carrying some waste, bro. And and. Um, it was, it was very humbling slash, I mean, it's weird when you get embarrassed and you're by yourself. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's a different type of a feeling. It's, it's this little bit of shame. It's like, oh, my gosh, I don't believe, man, I'm doing it. I'm that guy. And and uh, so waste, waste, man, is something that I know for where we all are going in our own journeys. Uh, if we carry those bags of waste, the next season, it won't be be as pleasant if if we were to leave that waste in the past. You know, mm-hmm. it's things t- seem to be convoluted in the in the in the present and the future if we always have that old waste bag with us. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm seeing it with some some uh, some friends, some dear friends of mine, that are in a rough season of marriage, and the, the common theme is, well, you look just like my past, or this was this happened to me before. And back then when this happened, I'm like, man, you know, I'm like, well, you know, and I'm saying all these things to them that I actually need to be listening to myself and applying applying it to my own life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny it's funny how that happens. It's like God gives you this download for somebody, and you think, man, this is going to be sweet for them. And then when you hear it come out of your face, you're like, you know what? That was for me. <laughs> it's like, crap. Yeah. It's like, I, I needed to hear that. Yeah. And uh, so – so I, right now, man, waste is uh, it's it's right on the forefront of my brain uh, because I'm just really been evaluating. And last night, man, my uh, my kids fell asleep, and I was driving for about uh, five and a half hours with just me in the road, and uh, had a lot of time to to uh, sort through some things concerning that and just really dissecting my life, man. And uh, I tell you, I woke up this uh, well, I didn't wake up. I've been processing this morning because I didn't go to sleep. Um, just trying to look at my future differently. With what would my future look like without the waste of the past? Man, I think yeah. I'm maybe a beautiful thing, you know. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's waste for me, guys. I'm Wanda. Thanks, Wanda. Hey. Well, I'm Nate. Uh, hey. Hey, Nate. Yeah, the, the word waste for me brings up a lot of uh, regret. Um, 
you know, a couple of associations, that old song, yeah. maybe before you guys were around, the um, Chris Christopherson song, Lord Help Me Jesus, I've Wasted It So, uh, that moment when you realize that, man, so much of what God has given me, so much of the time I've had, uh, so, you know, I've just squandered. Uh, that's a sensation uh, that is not unfamiliar to me. Also, um, regret. You know, I, I feel a lot of regret around the, the word, especially around wasted opportunity. It reminds me of uh, you know a story that's told about Jeremy Bentham, the uh, British philosopher of the 1700s, who was the mentor of John Stuart Mill. Um, a, a brilliant, kind of a strange little man who'd had a uh, a very strained and distant relationship with his own father. In fact, he often said that his only, his most pleasant memory from childhood, and one that he hung his hat on, he told the story often, was about the, the day that his father took him fishing. And it said that uh, after his father died, uh, they went through his dad's journals and found an entry for that day, and his father had written, went fishing today with my son, another day wasted. Oh, man. Wow. (laughs) And, um, you know, I look back over the years when my kids were growing up, and um, as how focused I was on inconsequential things, um, First of all, how much of my time, attention, and energy was stolen by addiction. And then addiction inside, how much of it was taken by ambition um, and working so hard to gain the approval of other people or to uh, somehow avoid their disapproval. Um, And in the meantime, you know, missing uh, precious moments, opportunities with my kids. I feel real fortunate that God has restored uh, and strengthened my relationships with my kids. And, um, you know, they have mostly pleasant memories from childhood. They're tired of my apologies about, you know, all my failures. Um, But, uh, you know, I now have grandkids and kind of an opportunity for a do-over. And uh, and oddly, you know, I still find it a struggle to keep my priorities straight. Um, it feels strange now at the age of fifty. Uh, Allie and I are going through a time right now. It's not it's not financial, you know, it's not poverty, um, but it's um, it is financial stress. Income is down and. Um, and suddenly, I, <laughs> I'm very aware of how much money we wasted during those times when it seemed like there was just a limitless supply. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, we'll have gained some wisdom from this season so that when um, income picks up again, and I'm ever hopeful that it will, uh, we'll waste a little less of it. Um I am, you know, as I get older, it's funny. You know, I still in so many ways feel like I'm 14, and yet I'm very aware of the fact that I'm midway through my 50s. Um, And as I see the sand run through the hourglass, um, each day becomes a little more precious. And with that, the challenge, um, not to – not – not not to waste this gift of a day uh, chasing inconsequential things, um, and yet not to be frantic. Uh, a, a life, you know, the, the, there's something that tells me. There's this thing in the back of my head that says, you know what? With with so few days remaining, you can't afford to rest on any of them. And yet, you know that. 
command the the advice we get in the form of a commandment in the Bible that says you know you need rest you need to take a break you need to have a Sabbath it needs to be a regular thing that isn't qualified in Scripture as uh, you know take Sabbaths when you're young and you have plenty of time so. Um, and that's one thing I'm fighting right now. I, there's something inside me that wants to be on seven days a week because kicking back would somehow be wasting time. Um, so anyway, I've wasted a lot. I'm definitely a wastrel. And yet, what amazes me is God's uh, unbelievable capacity for dragging things out of the trash and, um, you know, restoring what I've thrown away and somehow bringing beauty out of ashes. I think that when life is over, for me, um, what's left is is going to be so manifestly his work, Um that you know it's going to be beautiful. So, anyway, uh, I do have you know still this tendency to beat myself up over you know, all I've wasted uh, and uh, waste time to go back trying to relive the past. I need to learn from the past, but I can't relive it and I can't change it. And I must always remember, as my friend Mike Malloy says, that no man ever beat himself up into a better place. So, uh, uh, anyway, that's where I am on waste. Thanks. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. And we will be right back with our special guest here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and, uh, an author and speaker. Uh, his name is James Tearing Cordray, and he's written a book called Intentional Warriors, Fighting for Purity and Freedom in a Sexually Saturated Society. He's the founder of Intentional Warriors, and we are real happy to have him on the show. Thanks for joining us, James. Oh, it's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Uh, now, where, where do you live exactly? Um, I do live just outside of Philadelphia in the western, um, what considered the, the what's called the Main Line uh, oh, area. Yeah. It's a town called Ardmore. Town called okay. Ardmore. And, sure. Uh, yeah, so we're very close to the city, but just outside of it, which is good <laughs> uh, for uh-huh. tax purposes. <laughs> and um, it's also good to have a little bit of uh, a little more space than what you typically get in the city. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, a really beautiful place to live. Oh, I love it up there, and and we, you know, we got some Samson guys in Philly and in in uh, those environs, and a lot of other guys who kind of, uh, 
you know, carry the same spirit. And it certainly sounds like Intentional Warriors carries the same genetic material. Um, I loved reading your book, James. Uh, Thank you. Partly, partly because it's just so that story is so doggone familiar. It just <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds an awful lot like mine. Are you like me? Were you surprised when you started to tell your story? Um, how many people said, "Oh, oh, that's my story too." Well, you know, that's a really interesting question because sort of yes and sort of no. Um, when everything kind of hit the fan in my life um, mm-hmm. was a number of years ago, and I confided in a good friend, and um, he was very quick to say, oh, yeah, me too, almost in a very uh, casual way. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what do you mean, yeah, me too, like like so casually? Um, but that forged a really good friendship where we started to talk about some of these issues, and then little by little, I would have conversations. I, I, I kept my story a little bit to myself in those very early days because... Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, this was like the the nine eleven of my marriage, and um, you know th- things were really in bad shape for probably the first nine months after mm-hmm. uh, the, it all came out. Um, in my marriage, yeah. we call it, as you read in the book, the confession, um, yeah. which you know that's got its own story behind it. But sure, you know it it, it had. It had us right on the brink. Like I didn't really know what was going to happen. We had two very small kids at the time, um, and so we were just kind of taking it a day at a time. It was uh, it was a pretty rough period. So I didn't tell a lot of people. My wife didn't want to tell too many people. Um, she sort of picked who she wanted to tell and didn't bother to ask me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, I didn't begrudge her that at all because what God made clear to me in those moments was, you know. I, I've brought something into this marriage, and I've devastated my wife, and so um, I got that loud and clear probably for the first time ever. Um, but as the years have passed and as I've had more opportunity to talk, yes, more guys have sheepishly, you know, kind of off to the side, you know, maybe late at night with a phone call, hey, yeah. you know, that that's me too, and I need your help or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, it's been interesting how God – what that path has looked like over the years. Yeah. Tell, tell us, give me the, uh, give me the story because it's it's in your book, but uh-huh. I, I'd love for you to tell that piece of the story of how it came out in your marriage, almost devastated your marriage, but then you found kind of a whole new place with your wife through this process. I'd be curious <laughs> to hear you tell that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I and I will do my best to keep this brief, you know, because obviously the story is very long, but. Um, I was one night packing a suitcase to go on a business trip for a job um, that, well, it's the job I still have as my my main job. And um, we were talking, as we so often did, just about kids and life and what was going on. My wife starts telling a story. Uh, She had been to visit some friends of ours from college, married couple with kids of their own. One thing leads to another, and the wife of uh, this couple my wife is visiting with says, you know, the other day our pastor preached on the issue of pornography. And she goes on and tells a little bit about that. And, you know, immediately I hear that word in the conversation, my antenna go straight up. You know, I'm like, all right, be on alert. But, you know, what's, what's coming next? And I didn't let on the fact that I was, you know, a little bit on edge. And um, so she goes on and tells the story. And the, and the, the basic point of the story was, her, my, my wife is Carolyn, and Carolyn's friend said, every time our pastor talks about pornography or preaches on it, this, the husband in this other couple turns to his wife and says, sweetheart, I want you to know that ever since the day we've been married, I've never looked at pornography. I think that's important for you to know. So she relays this story to my wife, Carolyn, and then she says to my wife, Carolyn, has James ever said anything like that to you? And, of course, I had never said anything like that to her because I couldn't say anything like that to her. So um, Carolyn kind of lays it out there, looks at me like, well. <laughs> yeah. And I just have to say, it was, it, was, it was so out of nowhere the way that conversation went. And, you know, while we call it in the marriage of the confession, I really feel like I was more ambushed by God. And 
And, you know, obviously <laughs> whenever he does things, he, he does it redemptively, so it was good, you know, ultimately good. But I looked at her, and I was a deer caught in the headlights. I was just absolutely speechless, which that right there was enough of an answer, right? Mm-hmm. So she says, well, you know, and she presses in because that's, that's my wife. She's she's going to press in to know more and to understand, and she's got more questions than you can answer. Um, so I immediately go into spin mode where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? And the thing that I said was, well, sweetheart, you know I can't say that to you because, and there had been this incident very early in our marriage, in the first year of our marriage, where I had bought a porn magazine. I had been so riddled with guilt that here I am, this new husband, and I've done this, uh, that I voluntarily confessed it to her. And that was very devastating in its own right. And things were kind of weird for about a month or so. And I made a vow that night or that during that episode that I would never admit that to her again. You know, it was it was more it was I felt like there was just no way I could ever really overcome it or fight it. And so I was just going to deal with it, you know, kind of manage it, keep it off to the side. So um, so I said that to her. and She goes, well, I know about that time. But, you know, what about the last you know, at this point, it was something like we were nine and a half years into our marriage. She's like, so what mm-hmm. about the rest of the time since then? And I, uh, I had no answer, right? So um, things things got really uh, bad in 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 the uh, in the room there, and the whole night was just uh, very tense, yeah. and there was a lot of crying and a lot of anger and everything. And um, I didn't really sleep at all that night, and had still went on this business trip, so that was a bit awkward. And um, when I came back, my wife had, and it wasn't a long trip at all, it was only about two days or so. When I came back, my wife had called um, a, two of her friends, well, three of her friends, um, and a counselor, a biblical counselor, who I was already seeing for other issues, but I hadn't told him anything about my porn problem. And yeah. um, she basically just told a, you know, a constellation of people, and um, and and God was working in all of that. I should say because one of the things He kept showing me through my crying out to Him in desperation was, you know, this is really bad. <laughs> this is this is a, like a life and death issue for your marriage and for you ultimately. Because if you keep going down this road, James, you're gonna you're gonna end up really screwed up. And He basically just gave me this assurance, like, I can, I can get you out of this, but it's going to hurt like crazy. Um, and so I submitted to the process there of meeting with this counselor in a very intensive environment, getting into a group that dealt specifically with sexual addiction issues, and then um, just trying to work through, okay, how's, this, how's my marriage going to work day by day? Um, yeah. And things were, were brutal in, in the very beginning. Um, I would walk into a room of the house. My wife would walk out of a room of the house. Um, I looked around my house one day, and I noticed that all the pictures that were on the you know, coffee table or on the wall or whatever that had you know, a picture of me with the kids or a picture of me with my wife, they had all been removed. <laughs> wow. Turned down and put into the drawer. Like She did not want to see me. She did not want me around her. Um, and so I was scared to death that I was going to lose everything. You know, you guys were talking about waste uh, in your, your mm-hmm. session a little bit earlier. Um, that brought up a whole lot to me about things I, things I waste in terms of time and energy and uh, so on and so forth, and um, even a lot of money because I spent a lot of money on pornography and other things yeah. related to that. So, um, so I submitted to the process of what is it, whatever this counselor tells me to do, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, I'm scared to death enough that God can use that and work with my raw and vulnerable state to lead me and teach me. And I just, I just removed all kinds of other distractions out of my life, even things that weren't themselves sin, but were obviously things that could distract me from being very focused. And I spent a lot of time praying, a lot of time reading, a lot of time confessing, <laughs> and... Mm-hmm worked really hard to 
put myself in a process where God could change me. And then probably about nine months into it was when Carolyn said, hey, you know, I can see something very different has happened with you. And there were little bits of hope, you know, kind of sprinkled throughout those nine months. And then at nine months, she went from being my opponent, you know, where I couldn't do anything right and where even my effort to love her or move towards her in genuine care was always dismissed. She moved from that posture to being my ally. And um, and we just we just worked hard at, okay, how do we... How do we repair, or how do we even make new, make our marriage new, really? And so that that was a that was a process that was pretty pretty intense for nine months, but then really continued for you know for years and years after that um, mm-hmm. as we just repaired things. So that's capital summary. <laughs> yeah, boy, man, that sounds so familiar. That that process, that story, the. The raw emotion on the front end. Now, um, yeah, give us a little time frame. When did when did this process start for you? Yeah, well, the uh, the confession was in October of two thousand. Okay. Um, and at that point, you know, I I look back at kind of the chronology of my involvement with pornography, and I had been addicted at, to pornography for about twelve years at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so that was, you know, beginning of beginning of the new millennium, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, and and the growth since then has been just continuing to work on all the issues. I mean, you 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 know that a lot of the things that drive a porn addiction or a sexual addiction are not the porn and the sex themselves as much as it's the wounds of your past and. Longing right. for approval and affirmation, you you know all that, and so really there are layers upon layers to get into on those issues. That in the thirteen, you know, nearly thirteen years since, God's just continued to show me. All right, we need to take that to the next level now. Like, where's where is that showing up in your life now? How is that affecting this relationship over here? And I think what God set me on was a path of you know, not coasting and thinking, all right, I've, I've gotten away from porn for, you know, four or five yeah. years, so I'm, I've am i kind of got it, right? Yeah. Um, what I've learned is there, there's always more that God's trying to do with my heart. And, yeah. um, and so just, you know, submitting to him in that has been crucial. James, let me ask you about uh, there's a nuance that you write about that I think is really important uh, that, someone had said to you uh, something very important that uh, Mm. hurt you, which was that you were always going to struggle with lust, Mm. which you interpreted as this was never going to be fixed, right? Is that accurate? Well, well, the the exact interaction, if, if, if it's the one I'm pretty sure you're referring to, is when I was in college I had a mentor, and I told him one of my spiritual goals was I wanted to See some, I wanted to see victory with regard to lust and masturbation, which were very prominent in my life when I was in college. And his response was, that will never happen. Very definitive statement about, like, that's just never going to happen. Um, and so that's the, that's the exact um, mm-hmm. kind of way it went down. Um, so but was there something more you wanted to say about that? Well, here's the, here's the nuance trick. You were, you were looking for hope for victory. He was essentially saying, "Well, this is always going to be a part of your life." I don't even know what mm-hmm. he meant, but as we spoke right. to a guest a few weeks ago about how important our words are, our word choices mm-hmm. <laughs> stick with people. Sure. So there is a reality that we, this side of the grave, live in the flesh and deal with flesh issues. But at the same time, through Christ, we do have maturity and different stages of growth and victory. Mm-hmm. So what what have you come to as an understanding uh from yeah. that statement to this time in your life? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. Um you know, and I agree and I know that when I said that back in you know, college I'm not even sure what I meant when I used the word victory, right? I don't, I don't even know what mm-hmm. I was thinking like 
I, I can't even tell you what, what did I have in mind with that word. <laughs> um, it is true that you know I'm not I'm not lust free, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there was something about the way that interaction went that I took it to heart, meaning I, I'm never going to change. And the way mm. this sin of lust and the way my habit of masturbation are, are playing out in my life now, they are always going to play out exactly that way. And so I made an agreement with that, which is I can't change. Now, that's not what he said, right? I mean, he didn't say, he didn't literally say, you can't change. But in the, in the dynamic of how that all went down, that's, that's what I was left with, and that's what I took to heart. And so what ended up happening was I lived with an agreement for the rest of my years until the confession, which is, well, th- this really, this is just how it is, Right. I'm going to look at this stuff. Hopefully it doesn't get too crazy and out of control. Hopefully I don't go across some, like, really firm line and actually have an affair with somebody. And, you know, by God's grace, I never did that. But what I've come to now realize is change is possible. Change is real. And there's a way to deal with lust and temptation as a changed person so that how when when that temptation comes to me I interact with it differently than I used to um, and, and what I mean by that is I don't have to just kind of roll over and let that have sway in my life I don't have to just say well there's nothing I can really do about it because you know I was I, I made some made some agreement with that um, and so what one of the things that happened for me and what Intentional Warriors was birthed out of was a new appreciation for, you know, what does it mean to be made in the image of God when God himself refers to to himself as a warrior? What kind of thing should I be a warrior about? And what kind of mentality should I be developing when it comes to things like temptation to lust and to look at porn and that sort of thing. I can live, I can live more um, engaged with, okay, take that thought captive, that's not true, as opposed to, well, I'm just a man and I have a high libido. You know, that, those mm-hmm. types of different ways of thinking. Um, and I don't know if that really gets, you know, gets entirely to the, the heart of your question or not, but um, th- those are some of the some of the things that have changed for me since that interaction years ago. Oh, I, I think that is a great statement, that change is possible, and so a changed person deals with the lust that is going to be in the flesh in a different way. So it's not saying victory means you all of a sudden live in a state that really is only going to happen after we die. But that doesn't mean that we aren't growing up and changing in our responses to our flesh. Mm -hmm. I have great, that is a great distinction. That's good stuff. Hey, um, tell us about Intentional Warriors, James. I love the name. Uh, Talk to us kind of about the vision for for this group and where it is and where it's going. Yeah. um, Intentional Warriors um, was... The group was born before the name before it had a name. Um, mm-hmm. Back in back in 2009, in the summer, my wife and I told our story of what God did in our marriage to our church. Um, mm-hmm. We were asked by our pastor to, to speak about marriage. He knew our story. He didn't specifically say, "Hey, tell the story about you know the addiction." But as we prayed about it, we were just like, you know, th- this is the story to tell. God has rescued us and transformed our marriage through this. So we we got up and, and shared that at two services back in 2009, and um, little by little, God started bringing men into my life who mm-hmm. needed this. One guy called me, and he said, I'm calling you because my wife told me I have to call you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another, yeah, and another guy was just like... Uh, 
that thing you talked about, you know. So little by little, independently of each other, these guys started coming to me. And I, as I kept praying about it, I always had it on my heart that I wanted to lead men and share with them the things that God had done in my life. Because really, everybody else I ever talked to about this, they rode the roller coaster with, well, I've had three good months, and then I crashed and burned for a year, and then I had a month, and then I crashed and burned for another month, you know, where they just they couldn't seem to get traction with how can I live and change, and, you know, what's, what does that entail? And I felt like I had just been so blessed by God with something really different from that as far as my personal trajectory, you know. Mm-hmm. So it always been on my heart. I started praying about these guys coming you know, to me, and I said, you know what, there's a group here. <laughs> um, so I invited them to come and had to do a little bit of coaxing because it was the group that they all needed. They, they, they all knew they needed to go to, but they didn't want to go to it. Right, um, yeah. And so we, we got together in the basement of, of the church. There's, um, I guess, about four guys, and um, they're all looking at each other like, yeah, they kind of like you know, like they wanted to run for the door. <laughs> yeah, but, but they knew, but they knew something was happening that they they needed to be a part of, and and then little by little through word of mouth because we didn't advertise it, we kept it confidential. Um, more guys heard about it, more guys came. In fact, one guy just showed up and said, "Hey, I heard there's a group here. You know, I don't know where he heard it from. <laughs> didn't hear it from me." Um, and so over the years, we've just seen a. a a steady and slow accumulation of guys coming in, needing what we have. We've had some guys who have seen tremendous change in their lives, and they've they've kind of moved on to do other things now. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and so a couple years ago, you know, in the midst of all this, I'm also working on the manuscript for what became the book, and I'm working with titles and you know going to seminars on how to pick a title for your book and all that. And God just gave it to me. I was like, what, what is this about? You're, you're really developing, trying to train men to be warriors, certain types of warriors. And so it stuck. And then, you know, kind of the group took on the name sort of after the fact. Um, you know, the vision, the vision for the group is that we would really see men's lives changed so that they would be able to live finding purity and freedom in this sexually saturated society, you know, just like holding it out there for men, the idea that, you know, real change is really possible. And the life that you're living right now where you feel like you just keep caving into this and it's causing divisions in your marriage and, you know, some guys have even had, you know, their jobs put in jeopardy because of it because they're looking at work or they're doing other things like that, just really trying to help them see, like, there, there is a path, there is a way that you could begin to see some change here and live differently. Um, and so we, we focus on really four kind of core tenets um, in Intentional Warriors is that you need to come clean. So if you're married, you've got, you've got to come clean to your wife. Um, if you're not married, and we do have you know a mixture of married and single guys in the group, that you need to have some trusted guys in your life that you've told the brutal truth to. Like, here's what I've done. Um, And then out of that, you develop, uh, and what Intentional Warriors really is focused on being is, you know, a a real brotherhood where we're going to ask each other some direct questions, we're going to answer the direct questions, we're going to practice uh, honesty, you know, a lot of the things that that your your guys are are all about too, mm-hmm. um, and then then we, we take a lot of time to deal with the wounds that have shaped us, that are often the drivers, the triggers for the addiction, and we also talk a lot about smashing our idols, you know, kind of taking that um, approach that's in Kings, where Josiah, after rediscovering the book of the law you know, commits himself to it and then goes about ridding the land of the idols that had been set up and um, realizing that that's, that's a picture of what has happened in our hearts over the years is that things have to, be, have to be smashed there. So we are very, very focused on those things. Um, my prayer is just that men would really see significant change and then go out and take what we've done 
you know, wherever they go because, you know, people move, jobs, job changes and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I consult with other churches in, in the Philadelphia area and other leaders about, hey, you know, how can you address these topics with your people? And, you know, I'm writing a, a manual, really, for people who, can, who want to lead an intentional warriors group. Like, here are the things that we do and here are the things that you'd want to make sure you do in a group. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it just I'm just trying to trying to push out into uh, the, the the church world because statistically we know it's in churches where so many men are captive, but they feel like they have no ability to to get any help because it's such a shameful thing to admit. So yeah. kind of really, really taking it out to the taking it out to the to the men who need it and. Um, and I envision it as a movement to that end. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is that's that's exciting, James. Say we're running short on time, but there is uh, one more question I have before we go. You make uh, kind of a striking statement at the book at one point. You said you don't really don't think you became a man until you were sometime in your thirties. Mm. Uh, how did this? Uh, how did this process of this painful process of facing uh, an addiction, uh, what part did that play in your uh, movement to maturity? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the immediate thing, even though I didn't have the words for it when it happened, was all of the constructs of my life, you know, the things I used to prop myself up and look good to other people, mm-hmm. um, even the way I thought about who I was, in my own thoughts, you know, it, it was, I was posing. I was mm-hmm. an imposter. Um, I had spent time in professional ministry, both right out of college and then just before my, the, the confession. And I, I portrayed myself to people in a certain way that really, it was a lie. And until, you know, until the, the bomb went off in the marriage with the confession... I was never going to admit that to anybody. Yeah. But here I was, faced with the secret life has been revealed. My wife knows who I really am, and other people are learning who I really am, and there's no longer any impressing anybody. And so that was part of the reason why I was in like shock and awe for about nine months. It was like I was asking myself the question daily, wait, who am I really? Yeah. Um, and I was... You know, turning to God with God, I, I feel like I have no idea who I am. I've been faking it for so long. Yeah. And He used that to say, "All right, so let's let's look at who you really are." And I got to tell mm-hmm. you, I hated what I saw. Oh my God, I hated <laughs> it so badly. I, you know, I was this insecure, fearful jerk, you know, guy full of pride who tried to pretend he wasn't full of pride. Oh man, it was a mess in there. Yeah. But. God started to lead me through it. And then there were a couple points in the process where I read some books and heard some other teaching, and it started to strike a chord with me about how I just, I really didn't know what a man was. And I remember praying this prayer a couple years into it, where I was just like, God, I feel like I need to be initiated into masculinity. Mm-hmm. And when I prayed that prayer, I was already, I didn't realize it, but I was already on the path toward that. But it was this moment where I just trusted God for, he could teach me and show me what a man was. And more than that, not just show it to me, but he could do it in me. And um, I was never going to get to that point if the, um, if the charade of my former life was still intact. I was never going to get to that place of, vulnerability and crying out to God to make me into a man. Mm. Wow. Well, uh, what a great point to end on. Um, How good it is that we have a Heavenly Father committed to growing us up, and, um, and He'll allow us to come to points of crisis where we have no option, really, uh, if we want to live but to grow up. And then He offers us hope, and he does in us what we could never do on our own to make life better. And uh, even while there's this voice in the back of our heads saying that 
we're beyond redemption. We've screwed it up too much. We've wasted everything. It's over. Still, um, his voice comes through saying, no, I've been present all along. You've never been out of my hand. You've never gone beyond my purpose. Your sin is not greater than me. And I still have great use for you. And in fact, you're more useful now than before you became aware of your brokenness. Well, um, the website where guys can find you is intentionalwarriors.com. Is that right, James? That's correct. Okay. Any other? Uh, you got? Uh, do you tweet? Yeah, I'm Are on you? Twitter. Um, okay. The the, uh, the address there is at intent warriors. Okay. Awesome. And uh, any and other contact information? Too. Okay. Shoot. What's that? Uh, the Facebook page is. Uh, I don't have the the full URL for that right in front of me, actually, unfortunately. But if you go to Facebook and you search Intentional Warriors, you'll get it. Okay. All right. Well, there you are, folks. His name, again, is James Tearing Cordray. And uh, he and his wife, Carolyn, who I look forward to meeting someday, have given uh, the world a gift and told their story. You can find the book uh, on uh, Amazon, and I do recommend it. Thanks so much for joining us, James. That's my pleasure. All right. Well, Aaron, Mondo, it's been another it's good that, day. It's that time again. <laughs> we want to remind people, though, you can follow us on Twitter. Have you been tweeting, Nate? No, I, I have not. I've not tweeted much. Um uh, in fact, I've not been posting a lot on Facebook. I've been occupied in other things. I'll try to get better at that. Um, okay, maybe maybe Mondo and I should be doing some uh, tweeting. I don't know how to tweet. I've never tweeted before. Really? Yeah. I, no. Have yeah, you tweeted, yeah. Mondo? No. We'll have to figure. Well, because it's, it's linked up to Nate's stuff, so we'll just have to figure it out. Well, okay. we'll hack his stuff. That's okay. But yeah. uh, maybe we'll learn how to tweet so that it's not all on you. But if you want to follow uh, Nate Silence, it's at Pirate Monk Radio. <laughs> and uh, do remember to review the podcast on iTunes uh, to boost the visibility. So put in a review, and we want to hear your letters. So, Nate, where do they send it into? Yeah, send us those letters uh, to samsonpodcast at gmail.com, or if you prefer, Pirate Monk Radio at gmail.com. We'll get them either place. Send us your right. questions and we'll, we'll put them on and have a chat about it. Okay. Well, uh, Mondo, uh, you should go to bed, my friend. Get yourself 40 winks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to, man. I'm All right. Here. <laughs> and um, Aaron, uh, you're out. This is, You're out for the next three weeks. Is this true? This is true. Okay. All right, buddy. See you well, on the flip side. I hope that that is a restful and restorative time for you. And I, my experience is that even manual labor can help in that. So uh, I'm sure I'll be talking with you by phone, and we'll have you. We'll see you back on the podcast in a month. All right. Until next week, I'm Nate Larkin, and on behalf of our executive producer Jay Spiegel, our fearless, peerless engineer Mondo Grimes, and our co-host from the Left Coast. Aaron Porter, goodbye until next week from the Pirate Monk Podcast. Say what?